0: Okay, so today we have a few scriptures, so just get comfortable in your stance. Um, the reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of John, and the Book of Acts. So we'll start with Matthew four eighteen through 22. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. John 21, 1 through 7. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way, gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. Acts 2, 37-41 Now when the crowd heard Peter's message, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, What should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation, so those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day <coughs> sorry, about 3,000 people <coughs> were added. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ways that your spirit is moving and working in our church and in our service here today, God. As Andrea comes to deliver the word, I pray that you touch her heart and that you touch all of our hearts, that you open our minds, that you open our hearts to listen and receive the word that you have and that we're able to debrief it and, and take it in as a community. In your name I pray, amen.
1: Thanks, Nicole. Good morning. Good. Ooh, good morning. <laughs> it is on, we have a new, like uh, lectern here. We are in business. Um, it's been a bit since I've been able to, um, to come share on a Sunday morning, um, so I'm really excited to be back, to be sharing with you guys this morning. My name's Andrea. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I'm a part of the pastoral team here at Christ City. And um, right now we are currently um, in the third week of what's gonna be a 12-week, 12-week, yeah, 12-week series called Learning to Live. If you're just joining us, this is actually a church-wide series that we're doing. Um, We're preaching through it. Most of our small groups are also walking through it. Um, There's a workbook that Nicole mentioned that has um, weekly prompts, there's some daily things that you can engage with. If you haven't picked one of those up, the workbooks are outside on the connection table, which is the table with our big logo on it, Um, and you can do that after the service. They're free. Um, If you'd like to contribute towards the cost of their printing just to offset it, um, you can write uh, like L2L book on your connection card and drop it in the offering basket as it comes around at the end of the service and we'll send you a link that you can do that if you want to but there's no obligation, please take a workbook. Um, very exciting, I'm very excited to announce that Learning to Live is also now available online. Right. <laughs> and I just, because I watched him do some of it, Justin did this, like he put it, I think you did it because people demanded, they, nobody demanded it, but they what? Oh, they requested it, (laughs) strongly. They strongly requested it. Um, It's now available online, which is so cool. So you can go to learningtolive.app. Not right now, but like later. You can go to learningtolive.app and you can find the entire workbook in an online format. And you can thank Justin for doing that because I don't think that that was easy and I definitely would not have wanted to do that. So, um, (laughs) yes. (laughs) So I hope that you'll join us in walking through uh, the next couple of months together as we uh, as we do this Learning to Live series. It is, like Nicole said, it's a curriculum that uh, Justin wrote. It's designed to help us explore what it means to live a life of faith, what it looks like to reorient our lives around God's purpose and God's kingdom. And each week we're looking at like a different topic, um, an element of our faith life. And some weeks revolve around theology. Some weeks revolve around practice um, and some are like a mixture of both. And so we're preaching through each one each week. And that same week, the topic of your small group, will the the conversation there will also center around that same topic. So we're doing this all together um, and I hope you'll join us. So the first week, we're week three. The first week, Justin kicked us off by asking us A foundational question for the rest of the series. He asked, what do you want? What do you want? It was a hard question. I I, I still don't know. I I don't know if I'm supposed to know now, but I definitely don't. What do you want? Um, Last week, Watson talked about the invitation that is given to us by Jesus to follow him. And he also challenged us with the invitation that we are to give others. So if you missed those weeks, you can find them on the podcast. I encourage you to, uh, to listen to both of those. This week, we're starting off a new kind of section of the curriculum. It's centered around story. So our story, God's story, and then how those interact. So our story and God's story, and then how those interact together. Today, we're looking at our stories, the ones that we live We're going to have an opportunity this week to sit with our stories to think through them and then share them Um, if you're in a small group one of the things that you'll do together this week is share parts of your story together it'll be up to you what you share it'll be up to your group kind of what format that is you you could go you might go on a retreat together um, you might just spend a saturday at somebody's house you might spread it out over several weekly gatherings but um, you'll be sharing um, and I've done this a couple of times um, with different small groups. It's really powerful. It's a powerful time for our community. Um, It's powerful for us as individuals to be really thinking through, sitting with our stories, and then sharing them uh, with our community. So you might remember that back in the fall, uh, we did a series on telling our stories. It was called The Whole Story. Um, Funnily enough, that was the last time that I was up here preaching. I I was like super tempted to just redo it or just play it and like lip sync it, which I think would be really fun for you guys to watch too. (laughs) Um, I didn't do that. It's a a different sermon, I promise. Um, But the whole story series was focused really specifically on testimony. So what testimony means, what it means for us as individuals, uh, what it meant and means for us as a church community. And it was great. Um, And if you're looking for more prompts to, um, as you think through your story this week, there will be prompts that you'll find in the book. But um, if you're looking for more, if you wanna dig a little deeper, engage in some different, in some different things, you can jump back to that series um, and listen to those sermons if, if that's something that you wanna do. So yeah, we focused on the practice of testimony. Obviously we'll be practicing testimony again because you're gonna be sharing. Um, but this week the focus is a little, is less on the telling of the story, though that's important. Um, it's less on that and more on taking the opportunity to sit with our own stories, to reflect, to explore, to take the time to actually know our own stories. And stories matter, right? Stories, stories are important. Um, it's amazing how much we see stories pop up in, in everything. They make things more compelling. Real quick, what is your favorite story? Just think about it for a second. What is your favorite story? It could be a book, it could be like a TV show, could be, um, I don't know, like a podcast or stories via podcast. Could be a real life story, I guess that you know. Real quick, take a minute to think about that and then take one minute to chat about your favorite story with somebody next to you. Go ahead. All right. So, favorite favorite story, favorite storyline, favorite book that has a story. Give me some. What were some of your favorite stories? Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. Good one. The Have and Have Nots. The Have and Have Nots. Okay. Lameness. Count of Monte Cristo. Ooh. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Coming to America. Coming to America. That's a good one. Stories. <laughs> stories are everywhere. One of my favorite stories um, is a TV show called Breaking Bad. Wow, that was super well received. Um, if, you <laughs> if you haven't seen it, um, Breaking Bad is the story of a man named Walter White. He is a high school chemistry teacher. Eisenberg. Yes, he does become Heisenberg. Um, you're stealing my thunderball there. So he's <laughs> he's a high school chemistry teacher. He's got a wife. He's got a teenage son, and he's got a baby on the way. And he finds out in the beginning of the show that he has advanced lung cancer. So he's really worried about money. Um, he wants to make sure his family's taken care of in case something happens to him. So it was a brilliant plan. He starts to cook methamphetamine in an RV with one of his former high school students. Super solid plan. <laughs> basically, a bunch of wild things happen. Um, and he basically, walks gets addicted to power. Um, he, over the course of five seasons, goes from like regular suburban dad guy to basically like Albuquerque Scarface. You see it happen over five seasons. I understand that this maybe doesn't seem like something that I might like. Like, it may seem a little off-brand for me. Um, But I really liked it. I thought the show was genius. Um, It was such a good story because it was a story of this complete transformation of a person. I mean, he completely, he goes from Walter White to Heisenberg. Completely different people. And I think that we're drawn to, like, we're we're very um, compelled by change. We're compelled by transformation. And we experience that in stories. That's what we do, like, for entertainment. Isn't that funny? Like, that's what we, we do. We get lost in other people's stories of change and other people's stories of, of transformation. We're so drawn to change and transformation, even if it's, you know, not the best, like Breaking Bad. But there's something so compelling to us about, about change. And as I thought about it this week, I realized that, um, our faith is also based on, on stories. And there's a link that's here about how much we're drawn to stories of change and, um, and transformation and um, the fact that our faith is also based on stories. Um, next week, Lisa's going to be preaching. Woo! Um, and she's going to be walking us through God's story. So there's this the, the ultimate story, the big, grand narrative that we're a part of. So that in itself is a story that our faith is is founded on. The Bible itself is full of stories. It has has many stories of many different people, and then there's an overarching arc, um, narrative of God and humanity. Sometimes we describe this narrative arc um, in the Bible as kind of like a four-part story, creation, fall, redemption, renewal. There's a story of change, of transformation. You look at Jesus's life. Jesus's life is obviously central to our faith. Um, and the Gospel accounts, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, consist of stories of his life. The stories through the history of the church, um, people of faith, our spiritual foremothers and forefathers are also foundational for our faith. Isn't it interesting that the Gospels are not just like um, theological bullet points? I feel like that's more, um, that seems more efficient you might think that like there should be a list. These things are true. Watch out for these things, but they're not. The accounts that we have about what Jesus did while he was walking around are stories because stories contain truth that is lived, not just truth that's told about. Stories are proof of movement. Stories are proof of change. We understand transformation. We understand truth through stories of people who have lived it more than than just somebody giving us bullet points of what the truth is. They're proof of life. Stories are proof that something has been lived. And isn't that the the point? What we're trying to do, our, our series is called Learning to Live. It's not called learning to tell, and while telling is important, this series is called learning to live. God invites us into a life, a life that stems from the very foundation of who God is. So last year we did a series on John. If you guys remember, you should remember because it took us like a year to get through the whole book. (laughs) We covered a lot. (laughs) Um, But even as we, we went through the entire book. But the thing we continued to come back to as we were studying John, like the anchoring verse of John, was the purpose, the stated purpose in the book of John um, in chapter 21, verse 31. But these things are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Life. And quickly, the Greek word that is translated in English as life in this verse is zoe. And we went over this when we were in John. But in the New Testament, zoe refers really specifically to the life that is uniquely possessed by God. So it's basically God's life. It is uncreated and it's a life that doesn't end. It doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. So when scripture talks about um, everlasting life or eternal life, Life, it's referring to zoe, that's, the, that's the, the root word. And that is the life that we are invited into. That's the life that we're trying to learn how to live. Jesus' invitation to us is to participate in God's own life. And if we're invited into a life, that means it must be lived. A life must be lived. And so that's what we're doing. We're learning to live in this new kind of life. So our stories then, and knowing our stories, the the narratives of our lived experiences, knowing them enables us to see God's movement. They enable us to actually know ourselves. Um, In the confession, St. Augustine asked a very poignant question. How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? the way that we approach God, the way that we approach faith is completely influenced by how we have been formed. As we continue to step into learning to live, we have to start with the way that our stories have formed us. Our stories form. We come to faith in a context and we bring a context with us. We're shaped by the things that we do, We're shaped by the things that we don't do, whether it's intentional or unintentional. We're shaped by the things that happen to us, and we're shaped whether or not we're paying attention to what's shaping us or not. We're being shaped. Stories form us. So this morning, we're going to look at the story of Peter in the Gospels. The variety of scriptures that Nicole read this morning, Um, thank you, Nicole, Is, is sort of like a... Quick version of um, the faith life of Peter, who's also known in scripture as Simon. And Peter is one of the, of Jesus' 12 disciples. So the three passages that we're going to look at today sort of jump in on Peter at different times in his story. It's like in his attempt to, um, to live into Jesus' invitation. We kind of see him at different windows of time. So the first time we come across Peter in the Gospels, he's fishing, I think that's interesting. All three synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, recount this story of Peter's first encounter with Jesus when Jesus extends an invitation to him and his brother and some others. So we'll read from Matthew. You can find it in, in the three gospels. We'll read from Matthew chapter four. We'll start at verse 18. As Jesus walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. I think it's significant that we're told what Peter is doing, he's fishing. Um, And the original audience of Matthew's gospel uh, would have known the significance of Peter's work as a fisherman. Um, In the first century, fishing was a choice trade in this particular region because of its proximity to the Sea of Galilee, it's like right there. Fishing as a trade was usually multi-generational. It's likely that Peter's father, um, Peter's grandfather, maybe even more generations of men in his family were fishermen it would have been a major part of his identity being a fisherman. He would have spent years apprenticing with his father in order to continue the family legacy of fishing. And as an adult, it would have taken up most of his time. So being a fisherman is almost all of what we know about Simon Peter before he's approached by Jesus. But we can see how that alone played a huge part in understanding who he was. This very particular thing Um, manifested itself in his identity in a really significant way. So this week, through the curriculum in your book or online, um, we're going to be looking at, you're going to be looking at a couple of different things, um, walking through, we're actually going to be walking through the story of Joseph's life in the Old Testament in Genesis. Um, This week, you're going to be walking through elements that make up his story, and then reflecting on some elements that make up your story in the process. So you're gonna be reflecting on your origin stories, your family, um, relationships, the trials you have faced, the blessings that you're able to recognize in your life. You're gonna look at all of that. And all of those things make up who we are. They make up who we are, the people that are sitting here today. And before we continue to move forward, we have to look back to understand our context, how stories have formed us, how our context has made us who we are and what that means about where we're going. The past is about who we've, be- who we've become and who, who we have become. The present is about who we are becoming. And I think we have this tendency to want to keep like, our identity separate from our actions and our experiences. But story doesn't allow us to do that. Reflecting on our stories doesn't allow us to do that. Um, One of the things that I remember hearing a lot as a kid and throughout like my church tenure um, is that the ultimate goal is to become more like Jesus. That if we let God, we'll be formed into the likeness of God's son, who is Jesus. Now, I still think that's true. But I think it's important to understand that being formed into the likeness of God's son, Jesus, does not mean that I will one day become a first-century Jewish man who builds stuff. <laughs> I walk into this life, I walk into this, face, this, this faith as a Korean-American woman living very particularly in the United States um, because I was adopted. I was raised as a pastor's kid. I, I take my experiences, my stories as that person with me into the life that God offers me. I I learned to live in God's life as her. I I don't leave her behind. Our lived experience, the the good stuff, the hard stuff, affects how we see everything. It, It affects how we view the Bible, how we approach the Bible, how we react to different situations, how we engage with other people, and how we engage with God. God knows that. And God cares about our stories. God cares about the things that we're bringing with us. In this new life that we're being invited to live into, we're not asked to leave our stories or our identities behind. We bring them with us. Even the hard stuff, we bring it all. Even the stuff that we haven't worked out yet, or um, the stuff that we don't want to think about anymore, the places where we've been hurt. the places where we've messed up, all that stuff we bring with us and we offer it to God. Living a life of faith is not us just like taking our past stories and like adding God to them. We don't like weld God to our machine of a story of life. We don't do that. The life we're actually invited into is one of transformation, of transformation. We bring our stories to God and we allow them to be transformed. So looking back at Peter's story in Matthew seven, excuse me, in Matthew four, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. So we talked about this particular identity that a fisherman would have the culmination of training in like a lifelong apprenticeship, the way that the trade was intergenerational, intertwined with family legacy, um, it would have been dominant in the formation of of someone's identity. And what Jesus does here in inviting Peter to follow him is, is he does not undermine that identity, but instead he invites Peter to bring it forward so that he can transform it. Follow me and I'll make you fish for people apprentice with me, I will teach you how to fish a different way. Your life, your story, your identity as a fisherman is not just lost, you will just be fishing for something else. And then the verse continues, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as they went from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James son of Zebedee and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets and he called them, Immediately they left their, the boat and their father, and they followed him. So Peter and the other disciples here in this story were not asked to leave behind who they were. They were not asked to leave behind the experiences that made them who they were. We don't leave our experiences, our identity all behind, but we bring it to the table to be transformed. Yes, Peter and Andrew and, and John and James left their nets, but they did not give up fishing. They did not cease being fishermen. They just fished for something else. Peter says yes to this invitation from Jesus. And later in the book of Acts, we get to see him living into this transformation of of being a fisherman, but fishing for something else. In Acts 2, we'll read 37 through 41. Now, when the crowd heard Peter's message, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized and that day about 3000 persons were added. So this happens at Pentecost, the story of Pentecost, which is in Acts 2. And Peter plays such a huge role in this event. I think it's really significant though that this part of his story echoes the past parts of his story. It reflects his identity as a fisherman He's allowed the stories that formed him to be transformed by God, and it completely alters how his story continues. Stories allow us to recognize and reconcile our our past with our present and our future in light of Jesus and his invitation to us. So our stories are not arbitrary. In fact, our stories become essential in our effort to learn to live like Jesus. You can't just forget the things that, that have made you who you are and step into this life as like a blank person. We're not blank people. Stories don't just mark time, they don't just mark seasons, they certainly do, but not just that, they also mark change and they mark transformation. So I've been, I, like I said earlier, I've been privileged to do a storytelling weekend like you guys are gonna do this week, twice in different small groups, two different ones over the past five years as uh, being a part of this community. At the first one, um, I remember uh, sharing that I felt like I was in a deep, dark winter. I had no idea where God was or where God had been. Um, But at that time, I I remember thinking that maybe spring was coming, felt like maybe something was going on. At the second one, which which was several years later, I recall feeling overwhelmed by how much I could recognize God's presence in that season. Um, It was almost like too much. It was a lot. Now that I am removed by time from those seasons, I'm in a completely different season. When I look back on those stories, those parts of my story, I mark them as just me learning to live. It was me learning to live then And then later it was still me learning to live, and today I'm still learning to live. My story continues. Our stories, our journeys are not static, they're not fixed, they're continuous. We are learning to live as people who are being transformed by God continually. We have not yet learned to live completely. So as we look at our stories this week, I think it's important to understand that our stories are not, they're not like just based on singular events, like even important ones. There were events for me in both of these past seasons that really defined the trajectory of my story, but they were not the whole. They were just a part of the continuing transformation of my story. And any event in our story is just a small representation of the much larger narrative, the constant, way we are learning to live. So in our sermon planning meeting this week we were talking about um, how rare it is to recognize the middle of our stories, like the middle parts. I think the church has had the historical tendency to celebrate and really emphasize like the beginning of our stories, like the initial saying yes to Jesus, yeah, I mean, And that's not bad we celebrate that baptism sunday is like hands down one of my favorite sundays we do that and we we should do that and do it well celebrating the start is not bad but when we realize that our stories and our transformation is continually happening when we realize that they're they're not static they're not fixed they're not based on one event we are missing the full invitation of god to live into god's life Celebrating the part of Peter's story in which he says yes to Jesus is great. They left their nets and followed him. Amen. They did it. But that event signals so much more in Peter's life and Peter's story. It would be like becoming a parent and saying, I had a baby. And like, that's it. That's like taking the statement at face value. So much is wrapped up in that statement. If I said I had a baby, you would know that I did not mean just I had a kid and that was the end. Like, that's, that's not how that works. You would understand that event as the beginning of something bigger. The sleepless nights, a pregnancy, a labor, all the crying from everybody. Like, the way, <laughs> the way that my life had changed, um, the way that my identity would shift because of this different role that I would have had as a parent. I think that this is the important part of taking the time to know our own stories. I want to challenge you this week as you think about it, as you think through your own story. Our stories are not static, and it's not just one event that comprises the rest of the story. I think, you know, we talk sometimes about Ebenezer's in our story, which is sort of like a a significant moment that we can look back on. And sort of the older you get, the longer that, um, that you're telling a story, that you're living a story, the more Ebenezer's you can go back to and see. And I don't want to undermine the Ebenezer's, I think that those are really important. Um, I, I also want to tell you though, there's more than one Ebenezer, and, um, and there's no formula for that. Um, you are not the culmination of your best day or your greatest achievement, there's still more learning. And equally, you are not the culmination of your worst day or of your worst season. There is there's grace. We are always learning to live. And so as we develop our stories, as we think through them this week, I want you to think about them in that light. This is not like a, I'm going to tell you about my life, and I'm going to tell you where I am now, and I wrapped it up in a bow, and I have learned to live. If you, if you do that, I need to talk to you, because you need to teach me some stuff. Um, I want you to think about your stories in this particular way that our stories are narratives of us learning to live and we're currently living and learning to live. So our stories continue to tell of our attempts to learn to live. So there's another piece of Peter's story. Um, It's in the Gospel of John, it's in uh, chapter 21. So this happens, it happens before he preaches at Pentecost but after Jesus has called him, after he's been with Jesus for three years, after Jesus has been put to death, Jesus has resurrected and he has appeared once to the disciples. But they are all still very unsure of what has just happened. A lot has gone down. So in John 21, some of the disciples are on a beach together. So we'll start there. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So Peter is discouraged. He's tired. He's confused. He spent three years learning how to fish in a different way, but now he's honestly maybe not sure what it was for. Um, He's blatantly denied Jesus at a really crucial point. So he goes back to fishing. You just see his identity through these stories. He, he never ceases to become, to be a fisherman. It's still who he is. But we see, though, that Jesus meets him here. Verse four, just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast a the net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on some clothes because he was naked and jumped into the sea. I don't know why he needed to put clothes on to get in the, we're not, we don't have time for that this (laughs) morning, but you understand. He was excited. He was really excited to see Jesus. Um, The story, so the the story, um, it ends with Jesus being there in presence. While, uh, while Peter is, is fishing again. And the story actually ends later in the chapter with Jesus restoring Peter and inviting him again to continue learning from him. In verse 21, after all this, Jesus said to him, Follow me. This echoes the first invitation. Jesus said, Follow me. And then again, In this final interaction that we have in the book of John, of Peter and Jesus, follow me. This is years after the first invitation. But Jesus' invitation is continual, and so is our transformation. We learn to live past, present, future. We are learning to live. We have learned some, we're still learning, and we have a lot more to learn and we acknowledge and we celebrate this process as we think about our stories, as we know our own stories. Um, This church community has uh, made me a better parent, really, really. I'm like a subpar parent. Um, (laughs) Some of you were like, no, and some of you were like, Um, (laughs) yeah. I I receive all of that. Um, But this community has really uh, taught me so much about what it means to raise kids, and not just other parents. Um, this community has taught me to see how my kids are not stuck in time. Like, who they are now isn't necessarily who they're gonna be in five years or as grown ups, which is horrifying to me thinking about my kids as grown ups, you know. Um, they're constantly changing, kids are constantly changing. This community celebrates kids so well, so well. Um, Daniel Fung is almost one. <laughs> It breaks my heart inside. Willa, Willa, kudos, almost won. What the heck? Like, <laughs> We have celebrated their lives. We have celebrated their stories with Justin and Carolyn, with Eric and Mary. Um, it's been such a joy to see them like walk around, <laughs> or try, almost, we're not rushing it, almost walk around. Everybody's almost walking. Right? Yeah. Hi, Willa, hi, baby. <laughs> So they're almost walking and they're growing and they're learning. Watson reminded me this week as we were talking about kind of this sermon is that we don't just celebrate um, their first steps as a baby, but we celebrate all the steps. The step into school, the step into learning to be a friend, steps into trouble. We even celebrate the first steps like away from parents, towards independence, towards like their first job, Um, down an aisle, if they get married, like we, we marvel at the growth, at the formation and the transformation of children. They have a lot to teach us about learning to live. They have a lot to teach us about our stories being continuous and our transformation being continuous. And I've been reminded that my story, that your story is like that too. We are learning to live as people who are being continually transformed by God. One of the, um, every, every year we do here at Christ City, we do a series called My Most Important Question. It's usually in the summer. It is my favorite time of teaching. I think, no offense to the preachers, but it's my favorite time of teaching. Every year we have um, a handful of people in our community come up and share whatever their answer is to what is your most important question. It could be right now, it could be ever. Um, and um, Darren Vandertang, who's, who's traveling in Australia right now, um, she shared at our last MMIQ, and it was so powerful to me. Um, Darren is ahead of me in her story. And she was recounting the many different Ebenezer's that she has had, the many different changes, the many different transformations. I mean many. And then at the end of it, she gets to it, because I'm like, oh my gosh, you've lived so much life. You know, this is amazing. Please teach me everything and at the end of it she gets to it and she's like and there's still more for me to learn. Like there's still more. I'm still continuing to learn. I still am learning to live. And I was like, man, if Darren's still learning to live, like after she is wise and has all these things, like I don't I don't have it. well, I'm definitely still learning to live. We are learning to live as people who are being continually transformed. God, and that's what our stories are about. They are not about these fixed points in our life. It's about the continual transformation, our continual yes to an invitation to live into a life where we bring everything that we have and allow it to be transformed. To know our stories is to recognize transformation, to bring what we have to God, to mark what we've learned, to mark what we still have yet to learn, to mark what we have to learn from each other about the life that we're meant to live in God. This week, like I said earlier, you're gonna be prompted to think through some specific experiences as part of knowing your own story. And you, I mean, it's your choice to engage with this as much as deeply um, or as much as, as you want. Um, so as, as we do that, as we think through these prompts, I want you to I challenge you to consider three things as you're thinking through any part of your story. They're this, can you see God in your past story, maybe in a way that you could not before? Can you see God in your past story, maybe in a way that you haven't been able to before? What part of the story are you in now? Is there hard stuff? Are you trying to like deny that this is your story? Um, Do you wish this part was over? (laughs) What part of the story are you in now? (laughs) And then finally, how do you recognize God's transforming invitation in this season, in this part of your story? Because it's there. It's easy to see when we look back. It's a lot harder to see that when we're in the middle of something. How do you recognize God's transforming invitation in this season? And so as, as I close this morning, my prayer for us this week is, um, is one that St. Augustine prayed, also in the Confessions. He says, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. So I'm praying that we would know our stories, that we would know them really well, and that through them we would be transformed as we live into the life that God invites us into. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I thank you for this community of people. I thank you for um, the way that they remind me that my story is continuous. I thank you for the way that they remind me that I don't have to leave my stories, my identity, my experiences at the door of this church um, and of your throne and the things that you're inviting me to. And God, that's hard. it's hard to sometimes to bring who we are to you, but I thank you, that, you um, that that's what you want, that that's what you not only desire from us, but that's what you're calling us to do, to bring ourselves to your table and just allow ourselves to be transformed by you. I pray as we walk into this week, as we consider our stories, the things that we have lived, the ways they have formed us into the people that we are, I pray, God, that, um, that we would see you in it and not in like the dismissive way of, you know, well, you know, God meant that for good so we don't have to think about it anymore. But I pray, God, that we would be able to engage um, with our stories, that we would be able to engage with our experiences in an effort to better understand who you are, in, a, in an effort to better understand the way that we are to live And God, we thank you that you invite us into your life, that you invite us into something that um, is so much greater and better than ourselves. And we thank you, God, that our stories are not just consumed by your story, um, but that they're integrated as a part of your story. We are grateful. And we proclaim you as a good God. And as much as we can, we bring ourselves to you and ask for you to transform us.